And then notice this statement of generality. Whoever has a complaint against anyone. And I ask the question, does anyone have a complaint against anyone? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, if you have a complaint against anyone, what are you to do? Forgive, as the Lord forgave you. Welcome to this Friday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today's broadcast focuses on one simple truth. Yes, David, and that one simple truth has to do with the glorious reality that we as believers, chosen, holy, and beloved, are to put on Christ. Well, what do we mean by that? Let's take a look at our passage. Turn with us to Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 12 through 14. Well, be sure to stay with us for the end of today's broadcast. Greg will join us in studio with some practical application. And I'll also be back with information on how you can obtain messages from the series for your own library. Now, let's join Greg for today's teaching. We know that we're saved by His grace so that in the ages to come, Ephesians 2.7, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness towards us. God was kind to us when he saved us. He was kind. So we got to look at his character. we got to look at who he is and remember what he's done, and, and that will reflect in our lives. Titus 3, 4, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, we need to allow his kindness to be manifest in us. First Peter 2, 1, Therefore putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted kindness of the Lord. His kindness was to save us. We're wretched, we're in his face with our sin, and he saved us. He's a gracious God. He's kind. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Proverbs 19.22, what is desirable of a man is his kindness. Now I know we've all failed. So confess, be forgiven, praise God for forgiveness, and ask him to help you be kind. Put it on, throw off those other actions like a dirty garment, confess them, throw them off, or when you're tempted, set them aside, and allow his word and his will to renew your mind so that you respond differently to people. Lord, help me be kind to them. Help me to be kind, Lord God. And he will. Now notice the next one. Put on a heart of compassion. Kindness, and the next one is humility. This is a genuine humility as opposed to a false humility, like we see in chapter 2, false humility, a false humbling you know, to deal with sin or whatever it might be. This is a true humility. Now, humility is simply the recognition of one's true state in light of who God truly is. Really seeing it rightly. It is a lowering of one's thinking to its proper place before God. It includes the idea of submission and obedience. He is humble. And Christ exemplified his humility in his incarnation. Philippians 2, verse 3. You could turn, let's turn to Philippians 2. See, when you see yourself above others, then you treat people badly. This is really, that's it. When you see your will is more important than theirs, or God's, then you're going to treat people badly. That's how the world functions. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, there you go, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You want to humble yourself, then obey the Lord in relationship to the people around you. Humble yourself, right? He became obedient in his humility. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus shares an invitation to all who are weary and heavy laden, and he shares his internal reality of who he is about himself. The only time he does this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. What a great God we have. We're to put it on. First Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And how am I going to do that in this context? Casting all my anxiety upon him, for he cares for me. I'm prideful if I hold on to that stuff. If I give it over to him, I'm realizing, hey, I can't do anything about it. But he can, and he will. James 4, 6, when dealing with worldliness, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God's opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, he'll give you grace. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Tremendous. Tremendous. Put it on like a garment. In Christ, you can choose to allow his character to come through you, rather than your old man living through you. You could choose a lot of Christ. Notice the next one on the list, gentleness. Now there's a few different words for gentle in Scripture. This one comes from the Greek word praus. It's related to it. It's sometimes translated meek or gentle. It's often in parallel with humble, as we see here in our passage, but also in Ephesians 4.2. I like what one lexicon says about this word. I like your description. It says that it's a humble and gentle attitude that expresses itself in Patient submissiveness to offense. Someone says something you don't like, someone does something you don't like, boom! Or you can have a patience and a gentleness and a response. It's a difference. It's only Christ can do that. Free from malice and desire for revenge. It's a quality of gentle friendliness or meekness. It's exactly who Christ was and is and how he described himself. We see that he says, take my yoke upon me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. We know that by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, we're to obey the Lord, we're to follow him rightly. Second Corinthians 10, Paul says, I urge you by those things. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 5? Blessed are the gentle, if that's the word, for they shall inherit the earth. It's a characteristic of Christ. It's impossible on your own. All these things are impossible. When you're in your flesh, you can't do it. You could fake it. It can be an external pharisaical thing. But when you trust him and you rely on him, you're thinking from his point of view in regards to what's happening, he will enable you to envelop yourself with those things. Put on Christ. This gentleness is a humble submissiveness towards God, a temper of spirit manifest outwardly. It's the same word, basically, or cognitive used for women. They're to have a gentle and quiet spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see it in Galatians 5.23. 
So allow Christ's gentleness to control you. Allow him to temper your responses to be as he would have you be. Put it on. So i got to think about this. This verse isn't in my mind. I'm not going to be putting it on, right? i got to think about these things. When those things trigger you, whatever it might be, sin, whatever, your flesh, you know, whatever it might be, temptation, i got to think about this. Lastly here we see the word patience. Put on a heart of literally patience. This is the state of emotional quietness and rest in the face of unfavorable circumstances. Patience. You know, we're very impatient. Drive through lines too long, takes too long to make the burger. We get impatient. We get impatient with one another. We're all tempted to be impatient, right? But here, we're to put it on. In the scriptures, they reveal that God is patient. That God is patient. Paul says, hey, I got saved that God would reveal his perfect patience. Saul was a bad guy. And God revealed his perfect patience. First Timothy 1.16, And for this reason I found mercy in order that in me, as the foremost, speaking of sinners, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness. Sounds familiar, right? With patience. We need to be patient with one another, folks. We need to be and when we're not, we need to confess it. And we step out and put it back on, right? Throw off the old garment, the bad, and put on the new, right? In Christ. We all fail. We're all tempted on the inside to not be patient. We need to have God's word abiding in us, the Lord abiding in us by his spirit, that we would respond differently. That means i got to have his word running in my mind when these things happen to me. They come out of the blue, by the way. When things cause us to be impatient, something happens all of a sudden, boom, you know? we got to renew our minds, change our minds. So then we have this list of things here. Compassion, kind, humble, gentle, patient. There are some here listening to this today that have a lot of humble confessing to do. Just confess, be forgiven. Oh, how wonderful this forgiveness is. And move forward. Now notice verse 13 now in our passage. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You've got to pull this verse out when you're angry. Confess it, right? You've got to say, here's what God wants me to be right now. Here's what he wants me to be. All the time. Then notice verse 13. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Now, it's interesting, we have two ING words. These are participles, bearing and forgiving. You wonder why. Why doesn't he just say, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgive, and bear with one another? No, he says bearing with and forgiving. It seems to be a foundation of all these things. You see, if you're not bearing with anyone and you're not forgiving them, you're not going to be able to be kind. You're not going to be able to be meek. You're not going to be able to be gentle. You're not going to be able to do any of these things. You've got to bear with them and forgive. Notice this first one, bearing with one another. Who are the one another's? Consistently in Scripture, the one another speak of fellow believers in Christ. Guess what? If you're a true believer, you're going to spend the majority of your time around Christians. You really are. You're not going to hang out with the world. We're going to be in the world, but not of it. You know, the early church was exemplified by this. They were continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. 
We're to be walking with the wise rather than being a companion of fools, Proverbs 13.20. We're to be fleeing you full us and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart, 2 Timothy 2.22. We're to be by and large around one another. I guess we are around non-believers, no doubt about that. But most of our interactions can be in our families. If they're believers, we're going to be around believers. And so most of our issues are around each other. They really are. So we're to first and foremost be bearing with one another. Now, you see those, it's now every 10 minutes. Breaking news, breaking news, news flash. It's something every minute, right? Well, I got breaking news for all of you right now. Believers sin. You know that old saying, to dwell with saints above, oh, that'll be glory. But to dwell with saints below, oh, that's another story, right? (laughs) We know that, right? We have issues with each other at times. But we are to be continually, habitually bearing with one another. The term bearing here means putting up with somebody. Putting up with them. Bearing with them. Enduring someone. And I got another newsflash. We are going to make mistakes we're going to say things that are wrong. We're going to be insensitive. We're going to sin. We're going to fail. We're going to do that. We're going to say we need to forbear. We need to bear up with one another. We need to be enduring these things and bearing under them, in a sense, with one another. I'm not saying that we allow sin to go unchecked. Matthew and Galatians 6, we know that, right? It's talking about the little idiosyncrasies we have in our interactions every day. We are to be forbearing. You see, if you're not forbearing, you're not going to do the things we saw. You're not going to be putting on those things if you're not forbearing. This is the foundation of putting those things on. Bearing with one another. Forbearance is an internal putting up with something. Okay? But we got to see it from his perspective. That's how we can do it. We see them as his creation in Christ. We see them as loved We see them as maybe misled and sitting in the moment, but we know love covers them all to the sins. We see them as more important than ourselves. We're bearing up. you got to forbear. If you've got a relationship where they're not forbearing, that's not a very good relationship. Right? You're to forbear, and I'm to forbear. And folks, guess what? I'm going to mess up. I'm not going to say things right. I may be insensitive. I may omit something. You're to forbear, and I'm to forbear with you. And we can only do that when we trust Christ and allow his word to renew our hearts. So to dwell with saints above, oh, that'll be glory, but to dwell with saints below, that's another story, yet the story can be different. Forbear. So then continually, habitually forbear with the faults and idiosyncrasies of your family in Christ. Do you do that? Only Jesus can help you do that, and he will. And that's his command, be doing it. Notice the next one here. Continual forgiveness. He says, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. This is believers in context. Here we see we're to be bearing with one another and forgiving. And this is an interesting Greek word for forgive. It's not the usual one translated forgive. In its root, it means to give graciously and freely. No strings attached. It speaks of a gracious free gift of forgiveness granted. It's often translated forgiveness in the New Testament. And it emphasizes the generous grace of the forgiver to the one in need of forgiveness. That's what it emphasizes. We're going to see it's because God has forgiven us that we could forgive one another. It's translated forgiving here in our passage, Ephesians 4.32, 2 Corinthians 2.10, 1 
and 12.13 and Luke 7.42 and 43. We're to be bearing with one another and graciously and freely forgiving. If you can't forgive someone for them snapping at you, then you got a problem. Forbear. Now, there might be a time to, you know, but to say something over time, to say, hey, you know, whatever that might be, but the reality is your response should be saying something. It's Christ. And then notice this. We see here, he says here, whoever has a complaint against anyone, and we'll get back to that in a minute, notice, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. He graciously and freely forgave us. We should do the same thing. Earlier in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 2.13, And when you were dead in your transgressions on circumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which were hostile to us. He has taken them out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Just as Jesus did. Oh, I'm so glad God is not like us at times. I'm so glad, but we need to be like him. Forgiving. You see, if you're not bearing with and forgiving, then you're not going to be having a heart of compassion. You're not going to be kind. There's got to be this foundation. These people are going to treat you badly. Accidentally, not, I don't think it's on purpose all the time. We're going to do that. And then notice this statement of generality. Whoever has a complaint against anyone. And I ask the question, does anyone have a complaint against anyone? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, if you have a complaint against anyone... What are you to do? Forgive, as the Lord forgave you. This term complaint speaks of blame and thus a cause for a complaint. Okay? Basically, just as the Lord's forgiven us, we need to forgive. Someone's got a complaint. You got, this guy did something. I got blame to say, and it thus a complaint, right? Oh, how wonderful it is when Christ is manifesting his people when we're together, right? How wonderful that is. So we're to do that. So the next time you have a complaint against anybody, what does the Bible say you're to do? That's just that clear. And it's unconditional. Now, as a pastor over the years, I've had lots of people who've had complaints about something I said or something I did or something I didn't do or what I should do. And sadly, people didn't obey this verse. A lot of people did, but some didn't. The ones that didn't, that caused separation. It caused difficulty. You know, often the complaint we have may not even be accurate. We may be wrong. Pretty straightforward. As God forgave us, well, how did he forgive us? Unconditionally and graciously, he freely forgave. Ephesians 4.32, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has forgiven you. i got to look at what he's done for me. i got to think about my forgiveness in Jesus. I didn't deserve it. I was a wretch, and he forgave me. I was dead in my transgressions and sins. He forgave me, and I need to do the same for my brothers and sisters, at a minimum. Generous, gracious. We're so tight with our attitudes. We want to hold on to this because someone did this. Be generous with your forgiveness in Christ. Be generous. Micah 7.18, Who is a God like thee who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain anger forever, but he delights in unchanging love. Who's a God like this? Tremendous God. 
Now, if you can't let go and you can't forgive, it may be an indication that you don't know the God who you say has forgiven you. In the end of what the Lord Jesus shares to Peter about how many times he should forgive, he shares about the one that didn't forgive in this parable. He explains about it. He says, when summoning him, his Lord said to him, Matthew 18, 32, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave, even as I have had mercy on you? The Lord said mercy on us. Did you forgive, right? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed. So shall my father also do to you if each one of you does not forgive his brother from his heart or from the heart. We need to let it go freely and graciously. Someone says something that is, offends you or makes you angry, and then, well, let it go. That doesn't mean there might not be an opportunity to talk with them later on and say, hey, brother, let me share. This is, I don't know if you meant this or not, but I want to talk to you about it. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. But just let it go. Love covers a multitude of sins. And that brings us to our last point here. Notice in verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. Beyond compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, manifest in forbearance and generous forgiveness, beyond all these things, love. Don't be self-focused and self-centered, but be other-centered and Christ-centered. Love covers a multitude of sins. We see love in not what we've done, but what Christ has done. We see love manifest in that he laid down his life for his friends. We see that, John 15. We see that love originates from God, not from us. For love is from God. First John 4, 7. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We know that we are taught by God to love. It's through his word, by his spirit. First Thessalonians 4, 9. Now as to the love of the brethren, that's a phileo love, you have no need anyone to write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to agape one another, to love one another. God does it. We know in a true relationship with Christ, we will love. And we see that we love because he first loved us. First John four nineteen. You see, it's only because of his love for us that we can love one another. Now that love, what does it look like? We know in First John, we looked at this before, that we can know we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commands. We obey him. What's his command? Forbear. Forgive. If I'm doing that, I can know, you can know that I love him and I love you. You know that, right? Same thing for you. Put on love. It's the sash that brings it all together, right? It's his love. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's, it's the fruit of his Spirit. So then, how are we to live towards one another? We're to, because we're chosen and holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also shall you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond. It's the glue. It's the glue of unity, right? If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. 
You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, in the few moments that we have left today, give me some practical next steps to take. Well, Dave, as we've seen, because God has chosen us, because we're holy and beloved, we're to put on the character of Christ. We're to allow God's word to change our thinking concerning our circumstances and situations. And as we've seen, we're to allow him to live his life through us. Well, how are you doing, brothers and sisters? Are you letting Christ live his life through you or is sin in the way? Oh, just confess sin, be forgiven, and renew your mind, continually, habitually being in his word so that Christ, by his spirit, can redirect your thinking and thus your life. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again on Monday, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church. Yeah.